became an entrepreneur to make money. And don't forget, you became an entrepreneur to have a life. This is the Savvy Podcast, helping entrepreneurs connect with the vision that's bigger than themselves. Learn how to stop trading in your wife or husband and kids for your success. Get ready to have your beliefs about traditional leadership methods challenged and learn how to enjoy massive productivity gains and in less time than you can believe. This is the Savvy Podcast. Welcome to the Savvy Podcast. I'm Tim Marshall. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Doug Holiday for a brief chat. Now, Doug is the author of Rethinking Success, Eight Essential Practices for Finding Meaning in Work and Life. He is also an MBA professor at Georgetown University McDowell Unit School of Business and a founder and CEO of Path North, an organization dedicated to peer-to-peer leadership education. So previously, Doug was an investment banker at Goldman Sachs and worked at the White House as a special ambassador coordinating international relations. So he holds degrees from University of Carolina, Princeton Theological Seminary, and the Oxford University. So welcome, Doug. It's a privilege to have you with us today. Oh, thank you, Tim. Pleasure. Pleasure. And uh, man, Finding the meaning in work and life at this time has never been more important. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, you know the deal, rapid fire, seven questions, seven minutes. So, let's, let's, you ready to jump on in? Yeah, great. I'll just hit the timer here and we will get going. So, who's your ideal client? My ideal client is someone who's been successful in their own world by their own definition, but they find that that success has had unintended consequences. They are not feeling meaning anymore. They're lonely. They uh, are asking, pondering the questions of of what's it all about, Alfie. They're saying, you know, I I got the gold, the brass ring, but it's not satisfying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we talk about, and you probably saw it on our, on our website, but we talk about trading in the family for success. And um, exactly. sounds, sounds very, 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 very similar. So what's, what's the problem you solve for that, for that client? Well, the problem I'm trying to lean into, I'm trying to be a response to that lack of meaning and purposelessness. Sure. And my view is that if, if um, you know, the best thing you can do to, uh, create a good life has become the best version of you as possible. The best version of you as possible translates into being a better parent, better husband or wife, a better worker, all these things. So it, it's much simpler than we would think. So I'm trying to solve the problem that there's so many today that really are empty and lacking in something really profound. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's going to resonate. That's going to resonate. So what are the typical symptoms you find people experience when they've got that problem? Yeah, the English writer T.S. Eliot talked about the hollow men. Yep. I think those of us on the call understand what that means. Yes. We have a lot of things, but we feel empty. When I was leaving State Department to interview with investment banks, I was interviewed by the head of Morgan Stanley Investment Banking Firm. And he said, you've had an amazing life. And then he looked at me in the eye and said, I'm in prison. It's a really nice prison. I have all the wealth I could ever need. I'm on my third marriage, though, and I'm separated from my children. 
He had everything but nothing. So the symptoms I see are these crazy things where you have all the trappings of success, but you're lonely, disconnected, and wanting to feel something, wanting to feel like your life matters. That's what we're made for. We're inherently made for purpose. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So what what are the common mistakes people make when they're trying to solve that problem? Yeah, I think some of them are pretty superficial, but others... Go in all kinds of ways. All of us have to watch today. I love wine. So, I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole pretty quick on things yep. like drinking. Absolutely. Uh, when you're feeling lonely and empty. It's um, it's like Pascal talked about. There's a vacuum in the heart of each person. He called it yes. a God-shaped vacuum. Yes. But there is a vacuum. And and I think we start making bad choices. We want we want to feel something. So we think, well, and we, we put blame in the wrong places. We blame our partner. We blame our children. We blame our partner. And we don't look at ourselves. It's almost like um, during uh, the 30s, they asked the 100 leading people in Britain, what's wrong with the world? And they all wrote back very erudite treaties. T.S. Eliot wrote his answer on a postcard. What's wrong with the world? He said, I am. I think the problem is we're looking in all the wrong places for the problem. The problem is me. It's not that my wife needs to be more sensitive or my kids need to be work harder or I need to make more money. All those things are symptoms. What I need to find out, how do I become the very best me that I can? Yeah, I live the best version of ourselves. We love this. We love this. So what's what's one valuable free action that the audience could take today and implement that could help them solve that problem? I'd say number one would be to create space to think. Yeah, sure. Pascal said this in 1666 in his little book, Ponce's. He said, the fundamental problem of a person is never learning to be quiet within four walls. I think we have have mistaken movement for meaning. So we just get busy doing things. So I'd say, you know, start with two minutes a day. Just be still, breathe, and meditate. Yes. And you'll start to get some clarity about your life. But we need to do that and start to ponder the things that matter. Then you can add to that. But that would be one practice I'd urge people to do. Start with creating a little space, a little margin to think and feel. So many of us don't do that. I take 16 CEOs a year, Tim, to a monastery and where they chant. Uh, we don't speak for three days. We yes. are totally silent. We eat together. We see each other. but And it's really, really hard for a lot of us to do that. But yeah. it's transformative when we get comfortable with silence. Silence enables us to be a better social human being, to yes. see what really matters, to get clarity about the most important things. Yeah, and it's never been more important than today, right? We've got, you know, we have phones in our hands. You know, it's often the very first thing that... Yeah, a lot of us pick up in the morning as this jolly thing that's going to distract us for a you know, large yeah. part of the day. The noise is 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 loud. That's a great word, noise. It's just, mm. we're surrounded by. Yeah, yeah. So, absolutely fantastic advice. Now, where could we? Where can we direct uh, the listener today to to get to know more about you? To get some get some of this. Yeah, uh, you know, my philosophy is pretty much in this book that. You know, rethinking success at a time when everybody's rethinking everything, family, relationship, success, failure, meaning. 
Uh, what I've tried to do is take a contrary view, uh, contrarian view of success. So the book is helpful. I've got a landing page, www.dougholladay.com. That has a lot of interviews I've done for Forbes and UBS, a lot of financial institutions. And it'll get you, give you some sense of the thinking here. My view is we have been sold a bill of goods. Yes. We've been told that happiness is attainable. Yes. I'm against happiness. Now, I'm, I'm glad when you're happy. I contrast meaning and happiness. Happiness is event-driven. Yes. I got a raise. I bought a second house. My kids got in a good college. Yes. That comes and goes. Meaning is a part of the permanent. Yes. And a great little book is Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, where he says, yes. the people that survived the Nazi death camps were not the physically robust him, but those that had a meaning and purpose beyond their circumstance. So, so I would say happiness is an illusion. Meaning can be an abiding circumstance. So fantastic. So fantastic. So we've got a few seconds left here, and I'd love to just wind up on, from all your years of experience, what's the most valuable free tip? And I know you've just given me abundance of them right now, but <laughs> give, give, me, give me 10 seconds on, on the most yeah. valuable tip. I'd say the most valuable tip I could give is to understand your story. In chapter two, I talk about we're all born into someone else's story. Yes. And my friend Peter Buffett told me this. He said, here I was. My father famously announced that he wasn't going to leave the kids any of the billions. And he yes. was at Stanford studying finance, which he hated. Yes. And then six months later, his mother called him and said, Peter, your grandfather left you $92,000. That day, Peter packed his car in Palo Alto and started driving in New York where he became a musician. Yes. That's he decided to create for the first time, not Warren Buffett's story, but Peter Buffett's story. Yes. And he ended up the rest of his life being a musician. So I'd say the problem for a lot of us, we've never been uh, self-aware that so many of the way places we've gotten our view of success, failure, love, a meaning, a family, all these things have come from someplace. It's the family you're born into. Yes. And for so many of, of us, that was dysfunction. It was the freaking wrong message. Yeah. So I'd say the one tip I'd say, if you could leave, is understand your story. Take some time to look at how your parents behave. Yes. How did, if, if I say to my MBA class, I said, look, how many of you grew up in a raging, angry family? About half raised their hand. Yeah. I said, I don't want to scare you, but unless you do the work and look at that, that's going to be your narrative. Because yes, we replicate the story we were born into. If you doubt me on that, why do so many people that have been sexually abused do the unconscionable, which is to abuse their own children? Mm. It's because that's a part of a familiar narrative, even though destructive. It's so true, so true. So, hey, this has been an absolute privilege, Doug, and I know we're going to be talking again because there's great, so, so many more questions I want to jump in and ask you. And I know. From oh, great. And thanks for all you're doing to encourage people all over. No, no, absolute privilege. And uh, you, you're seeing from exactly the same hymn sheet as us as we, uh, <laughs> Good. we want people to live the best version of themselves. So, that's what and finding that is one of the key parts of what we do so thanks very much it's been an absolute privilege and we'll talk again thank you really appreciate it bye-bye
You've been listening to The Savvy Podcast, helping entrepreneurs connect with a vision that's bigger than themselves, stopping the trading in their wife and husband and kids for their success. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show, and we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, if you want to know more about The Savvy Method, hit the website at www.thesavvymethod.com. We'll see you again soon.